0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved now you have to keep in mind when we look at romans chapter 9 chapter number 10 and chapter number 11 it's a parentheses where god is dealing with some national israel stuff and in romans chapter 9 you can go we've got all that on our on our website but uh, verse by verse but romans chapter 9 is israel's past romans chapter number 10 now is israel's present when we get to romans chapter number 11 it's going to be israel's Future, so just to get that in your mind, as far as a drawing back the lens and overview context. But Paul gives the his Jewish people, his brethren according to his flesh, he gives them some strong medicine. I mean, he tells them some really, really tough things. But it is not at the expense of him longing for them to be what verse number one saved, brethren our heart's desire must be the same for our community is that we christ wept over jerusalem paul his heart's desire is over those jewish people how much more shall our hearts be for those that the lord put in front of us it's not hey the world's going to hell oh well no the world's going to hell let's Let's have our heart's desire to reach them. Let's rescue the perishing. Let's be used as a vessel for God's glory. Preaching isn't trying to run someone over with a freight train of anger. Preaching is pleading with men. Teaching God's word is pleading with women to get their heart's desire to live for God. That's what we're lacking in our country. That's what we're lacking in our churches. Verse number two. Bible says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. I'll tell you. There's no lack of zeal for the JWs. Those Jehovah Witnesses have no lack of zeal knocking on doors they will knock thousands of doors wake up baptist church wake up christian church wake up born again believers we have a false group that has more zeal it's not according to knowledge it's not according to truth it's not according to doctrine but shame on us if they reach more doors and knock more doors than we do they got some zeal there's no lack of zeal for the muslims They will lay forehead down on a carpet and pray for hours. Most conservative churches, if you were to add a prayer meeting, it'll be the least attended meeting of the whole week. Sorry, no rock wall. Sorry, no free ice cream. Sorry, no free gas card. What do you have? Prayer meeting. Can't make that. I'm telling you, Muslims have a zeal. It's not according to knowledge. It's not according to truth. But I'll tell you, they got some zeal. And the same idea here with the Jewish people. They know the law better than their own name, folks. Thousands of people will attend the Jewish festivals. Yesterday was one. Rosh Hashanah. Read Numbers 29. They have no lack of zeal. And you have to keep in mind, obeying the law was no easy task. Just the Sabbath day alone made life inconvenient. You couldn't kindle a fire. For them, modern day electricity is out. You couldn't walk past 2,000 cubits. That's an inconvenience. You couldn't cook food. Now, depending if you're the, the the husband or the wife, that might be a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> oh, great, I don't have to cook. But look, that's an inconvenience. Now, we don't think of it that way because we're spoiled Americans. We just go down to Wendy's. Let them cook it. Cookville's got more food eateries. I think that any any town in all of Tennessee, I mean, you can eat just about anywhere in Cookville. But I'm telling you, obeying that Sabbath law was an inconvenience. They had walking restrictions. You couldn't work. Modern lazy Americans are familiar with that. They kind of got it backwards. We'll just work one day and rest six. But I'm telling you, these Jews, it was an inconvenience. Don't think you're going to go home to your farm and uh, and and, uh, and start working with your oxen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to hitch up the horses. Why? It's the Sabbath. It was an inconvenience. They couldn't carry firewood. Numbers fifteen. Now, I mean, for my kids, that might be a good thing. Oh, great! Dad's not going to have a split water carry wood, right? But look, they couldn't do those things. Why? We're kind of laughing a little bit. It was serious to them. Their law, their belief, their system, what God gave them, it meant something. I'm telling you, Christians can make the same mistakes. We can have a lot of zeal. A lot of zeal. We can have the right dress code. We can have the right music. We can have... Well, we come to church every time the doors are open. We make every church service. We don't show up on time. We show up ahead of time. We go out and, and, and knock on doors, and we do evangelize, and, and we do involve ourselves in prayer. We do memorize Scripture. We do memorize hymns. I'm telling you, we can fall into the same trap that Paul is trying to reveal that the Jews have fallen into. We've got a zeal, folks. We've got a religion. We've got a system of outward adorning. You've been here any length of time, you know I'm for living right. But I'm not for living right for a show. I'm not for living right just because you got some zeal. I'm for it because the Holy Spirit of God's working in your heart and the Spirit's doing something. We can perform rituals, yet we can miss God. We can discipline our life around habits that are Christian and fail to connect with God. How many of you pray before you eat a meal? I'm talking about now every meal. I'm talking about now every meal, even if it's in public and other people are looking, what are you doing? Yeah, amen. We need to be careful that that just isn't a Christian habit, but there's some spirit connection not just vain words that are meaningless and worthless. Are you really thankful for that cheeseburger? Yes, Amen. Amen. We should be. We should be. We should strive for that. Now look at verse 3. It's a loaded, loaded passage. The Bible says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now the Jews, they didn't think that God was unrighteous. I mean, they prided themselves in what God gave them. So they didn't think God was unrighteous. I mean, they had the altars and the covenants. They had the promises and the priesthood. They had the holy city. They had the holy law. They had the sanctuary and the temple. But they were so focused on earthly things that they ignored their need for a Savior for their soul. And they missed it. They ignored. They were ignorant of God's righteousness And that it would be imputed to all those that what? Believe. Not all those that keep the law and try to work their way. So what did they do? They chose ignorance over faith. They chose to ignore faith. Believing. That's what it means. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Righteousness. They didn't see God's righteousness as a free gift. And they didn't see that God gave them a law to help them reveal just how sinful they really are. And so what happened? Verse number three, and for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, look at it, verse three. And going about to establish their own righteousness. Anytime you go your own way, anytime I go my own way, we are trying to establish our own righteousness well i go to church well i'm a good person well i've been baptized well i'm trying to earn all of that is we are not submitting to god's righteousness and if people don't submit to god's righteousness they will end up in hell and that's not something to rejoice over that's something to weep over and shed a tear over now stay with me there's nothing in the bible that says you have to repeat a a prayer you have to repeat these words yet i trust if you're saved you probably said some words and said a prayer right there's nothing in the bible that says you have to walk an aisle there's nothing in the bible that says you need to come to an altar yet i trust there's probably some people here that have walked an altar and came to uh, walked an aisle and came to an altar in prayer to god right but there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to do that. There's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to know the, uh, the exact day and the exact week you've got saved and you've got to have the preacher's signature in the back of your Bible with the lights first. There's nothing in the Bible that tells you you have to have that or do that. Yet I trust probably some of you can remember the exact day. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to list all of the things that you did. All of, the, all of the sins that you committed. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do that. I do trust that probably some of you did name some things that you were sorry to God for, right? I'm not trying to split hairs on this. Here's what I'm saying. I don't care about any of that. What I'm concerned about and what we all should be concerned about is this question. Have you submitted to the righteousness of God or not? And when you witness to lost people, that's the bottom line. Well, I repeated a prayer. Did you submit to the righteousness of God? Yes. Okay, then I trust your prayer. Well, I walked an aisle. Have you submitted to the righteousness of God? Okay, then I trust when you walked the aisle, something happened. But if you have not submitted, all you did was a false walk. All you did was come to an altar where you offered a sacrifice of your own merit to God, and he says you have not submitted. Well, yeah, I have the, I have the preacher sign the back of my Bible. On January 5th of 2005, I got saved. What do you mean you got saved? Have you submitted to the righteousness of God? What do you mean? Well, if you say, what do you mean? I mean that the signature in your Bible means nothing. Have you submitted to the righteousness of God? Yes. Okay, then I trust what you got written in your Bible. I'm not telling you not to do those things. I'm not telling you to run someone over if they said they've done those things. What I'm saying is, we got to get deeper than those things. What's behind those things? What's behind that prayer? Is it a submission to the righteousness of God? And it says they have not submitted themselves. That means good, honest, sincere people Miss the simple gospel message. You want to know why? Help me, church, help me. Because they won't submit. It humbles a man's pride to submit, to say, I'm not good enough. Salvation isn't a DIY project, folks. It's a GDI. God does it. A GDI project. God does it. Not a DIY project. Do it yourself. You'll fail and end up in hell. Submit. Submit. I think I told you the story before. I did this. Uh, stood in to do this wedding. This couple was already married, but it was through COVID, so they... Uh, had a legal marriage, but they couldn't have a celebration. So they wanted to have a celebration. They asked if I would uh, officiate a mock. Uh, it was really a mock wedding ceremony. They were already married, uh, but I said, "Sure, yeah, I, I, I'd love to help out." And you know, new preacher, I figured I can use the experience for when the real thing comes. And it, it was it was good experience because when I got there, I got I got the the, the bride and the and, and the groom or the groom and the bride I think that's the way it goes and, and they're standing there and so they're reciting their uh, you know Do you take this be your lawfully wedded wife all that well I get to the point I get to the the, the, the wording where it says um, to love and submit to the, to the wife to the bride and there's this silence so I say it again I look over at her and I said to love and to submit till death do us part. And she's kind of chuckling and smiling. So I said, to, to, to love and submit till death do And she says, to love and to love till death do us part. You know what that is? That's submission and the difficulty of submission. I'm not submitting to that man. I am not going to submit to him. Why? Because deep down in your heart, all of us think that we're better than whoever it is we're standing across from. Now, ladies, I understand that's a tough thing because I realize six weeks into a marriage, you realize, you know what? He's really a dope. I can't believe he doesn't know this. That's who I said I'm going to submit to, Lord. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the good news is this. That's not true of our Heavenly Father. That is only true of our relationships down here, but it is not true. So I can understand why somebody would have hang-ups in submitting to God because the authorities down here are always a letdown. But we won't have that letdown with God submit to his righteousness he is faithful and he'll never let us down amen Amen. all right let's uh, go to galatians stay with me got a bit of scripture to cover here galatians chapter 4 galatians 4 verse number look at verse number 4 Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now who was made who is made under who is made of a woman? All of us should put our hands up. Every single one of us made of a woman. You see that in Galatians 4? Then it's a common and it says, made under the law. Who was made under the law? Don't put your hand up. Because that's a reference to Israel and the Jewish people. Those people were the ones made under the law. You and I as Gentiles were never under the law. Look at verse 5. To redeem them, them that were under the law who's the them israel made of a woman that's us made under the law that's not us to redeem them that's them not us who's them israel that we who's the we us might receive the adoption of sons do you see that contrast in verses 4 and verse 5 made of a woman that we might receive the adoption of sons that's the us part made under the law that's not us that's Israel to redeem them that were under the law that's Israel they needed to be redeemed why so that we might receive the adoption of sons I'm drawing this out because there has to be made a distinction always between Israel and the church there has to be a distinction made between the kingdom of God that's within and the kingdom of heaven which is physical and without There always has to be a distinction between Israel and the church, or we end up having all of the problems that we have theologically today across the Christian scene and across the political scene. And that is this. Anytime you replace the church with Israel, you end up with a hot mess. I don't care if it comes in the form of replacement theology, reform theology, dominion theology, call it whatever you want. You replace the church with Israel, you're wrong. Israel's being dealt with now there are some principles we can glean from that but you were never under the law ever i understand i first got saved uh, really studied and wanted to get in evangelism found somebody online and they did this whole thing where they went through the 10 commandments great you're using the law as a schoolmaster there's one little slight problem though Somebody could biblically say, why are you giving me the Ten Commandments? I'm not a Jew. I was never under the law to begin with. Now, I understand where they're going with that. And I understand that people get saved through that. And I understand that you have to show sin for what it is, that it's exceedingly sinful. And I understand that the law now can be used for us as a schoolmaster. But if we're not careful, we we will inadvertently talk people into thinking that they were somehow under the mosaic law and they never ever were it was only for the jewish people jesus said think that i'm not come to destroy the law of the prophets i'm not come to destroy but to fulfill why because israel was under the curse of the law and they couldn't fulfill its demands look at chapter 3 in galatians look at verse 10 The Bible says in Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ redeemed Israel. He redeemed those people. And we can have redemption through his blood as well, but he redeemed them by becoming a curse for them. The law was never meant to bring about self-righteousness, self-hope, or self-dependence. The law was always designed, even as it's written in our hearts, even as it is used as a schoolmaster to us, it was always designed to bring about self-despair, not self-righteousness. But even under this day when Moses is read, 2 Corinthians 3 says, "The veil is upon their heart." Moses, the book of the law would be read to who? the Jewish people. There would be a veil where with those Jewish people? On their heart, they couldn't see it, they couldn't get it. Isaiah 25 talks about it as well, the veil that is spread over all nations. So all nations, we have this common blindness, whether Jew or Gentile. But the problem with the Jews, on top of the common blindness, they see the law their Mosaic law, as a way for them to be righteous in God's eyes. Hey, they have the law, you don't. They see the law as something that merits them righteousness. And I know that, I, I told you church isn't Israel's your church, but the church can draw some application, and that's this. We better be careful our hearts don't turn cold on God. Is the American church rich? A lot of these big buildings, these American churches. If I had the money to build a rock wall and a decked out coffee bar in a building, if I had the money to do that, I wouldn't put that in a building. I'd put that into missions. I'd put that into gospel evangelism. That's not the false JW knocking on doors. That Jesus Christ on the outside knocking on the Laodicean church doors. When are you going to let me in? The rich church can't earn righteousness, and so look at. We'll go back to. Uh, well, we're gonna. Let's do this because I want to tie this thought in Galatians three. Go to Deuteronomy twenty one, and we'll also need Romans uh, Romans ten. So Deuteronomy twenty one. Get your spot there. And Romans chapter number 10. We need to stay there. Watch this. Romans chapter 10. Uh, End of verse 3. Have not submitted themselves in the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone. That believeth. Now, when Christ died, he bore the curse of the law for Israel. And the Jews, like we said earlier, were the only ones under the law. And the law calls for, it demands death on the part of the lawbreaker. The Jews had to be completely obedient to the law. They couldn't break the law, well, you just be a good boy afterwards, and then somehow that will, no, it wasn't it. If you broke the law, death was required. You know the phrase, shall surely be put to death, is used a lot in the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus, it's used 10 times. Why? Because people broke the law. In the book of Leviticus, shall surely be put to death, it's used 14 times. They broke the law. They were put to death. In the book of Numbers, it's used six times. Put to death. Why? They broke the law. You mean children being disobedient to parents? Yeah. You mean sodomites? Yeah. This is why I say the churches in Israel. Because you have some nuts that take old testament uh, death penalty sentences and try to apply it to a new testament church you know there's some wackos that believe that sodomites should be put to death where do they get that from the book of leviticus but if they're going to be consistent they have to say children that are disobedient to their parents are put to death which is ironic because this world has no problem aborting children They haven't even had the chance to disobey. This whole world's flipped everything upside down. But what is that? That is somebody taking a, a penalty that God gave to the nation for disobeying a law that we were never under. Do you have rules? We have rules at our house. Do you have rules at your house? If I go to your house, those rules are for your house and your family. They don't apply to me. I don't take the rules you have and apply them to my family. Now, if I come to your house, I'm going to be respectful of your rules, right? And if you came to mine, you'd be respectful of our rules. We'll take your shoes off before you come into the kitchen. Some houses have that rule. But if you don't have that rule in your house, why? Because it ain't your house. God has some rules and some laws and some penalties for that nation. You weren't part of that nation. You didn't suffer the penalty. In the book of Deuteronomy, six times thou shalt surely be put to death. look at Deuteronomy the serious stuff Deuteronomy 21 Deuteronomy 21 before we read this Christ kept 100% of the law was 100% obedient and during his earthly ministry he met all the claims right okay why did he have to die Why couldn't his earthly obedience remove the curse? Why did he have to die? Why couldn't his law keeping be reckoned to those who believe? Why did he have to die? We have to look at how the curse was removed. Remember Galatians 3? He was being made a curse for us. It says, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did he have to die? Deuteronomy 21. <clears throat> Verse 22. And if a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that is that day, for he that is hanged is accursed. Of God, That's why we have Galatians chapter 3. They, that thy land be not defiled, that's Israel, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, that's for Israel, Christ had to become a curse for them. And by obedience to the law, the law says he must be hung. And he was a curse for those people. And yes, he became a curse for us. And his earthly life didn't redeem you. His death on the cross and his shed blood, that's how he bore the curse of sin. He was hung. Amen. And praise God. Keeping the law never made anybody alive. And when Christ died, all the claims of the law against that Jewish nation were met and now they can say, a Jew could say, I am dead to the law. I am dead to the law. You know, Paul said in Galatians, if there had been a law which could have given life, verily, righteousness should have been by the law obedience to the law Paul says in Galatians could never give life to anybody Christ didn't take my place by fulfilling the law for me his earthly life of obedience was never put to the account of any sinner Hebrews 9 says he offered himself without spot to God It says almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9.26 says he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You can't begin to believe the gospel until you get to the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, That's the end of the law. Christ died. Do you know in Exodus 12, they killed a Passover lamb, they put blood on the lintel and the two side posts. You know what they didn't have? No law yet. In Exodus 14, they passed through the Red Sea. Guess without what? No Mosaic law yet. In Exodus 17, they're in the wilderness. They're ready to stone Moses. He smites the rock. They get water. And guess when that happens? When they don't have any law yet. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. You don't have the law given until the 20th chapter. You see that? It enters. Why? So that grace did more much abound. It was meant to show them how exceedingly sinful they were. go to hebrews 7 and we'll wrap up you with me still say amen if you are hebrews 7 amen i know it's a lot of bible but romans 10 is a chock full of just strong truth here in the beginning you got hebrews 7 you gotta understand three things before we wrap up in hebrews 7 what i talk about a mosaic law only given to who jews Jews. israel right it was a temporal thing Uh, second corinthians 3 calls it the ministration of death written and engraven in stones. It was designed to reveal sin. We talked about that, right? So that when the Messiah would come, those Jews would understand their their, their need for the death of the Savior. Now watch what Hebrews 7 tells us. Watch what Hebrews 7 tells us. Verse number 18. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. The law is weak, it's unprofitable. Verse 10, 19, rather, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. A weak, unprofitable, a made-nothing-perfect law, it's over. The disannulling when it was Christ was lifted up even as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up. And when he hung Deuteronomy 21 on the tree the disannulling occurred. End of the law. I know I'm drawing a hard line between the distinction between Israel and the church and that somehow Gentiles were under the law, which is a false idea and it brings about theological problems. Now, they won't say that you need the law as a rule for your life. Uh, Or they won't say that you need it for righteousness, but they'll say that you need the law, the Mosaic law for a rule of your life. Now, if you've ever heard that or you've ever been taught that, There's some theological problems with that, which we already talked about. You were never under the law. Hang the Ten Commandments up in your bedroom, memorize them, teach them to your children. They were never given to any Gentile ever. You know what I am? I'm a Galatians 5 Christian. I don't walk under the bondage of ordinance. I walk in the Spirit. The Spirit leads my life. The Spirit guides my life. I'm a Spirit-led, Spirit-walking Christian because I've been washed in the blood and I have the indwelt Holy Spirit that leads and guides my life. I don't walk by ordinances. I'm a Galatians 5 Christian. Amen. Amen. I walk in the Spirit. Yes, sir. And so should you. And I trust that you do. He came unto his own, and his own received his not. Who was that? The Jews. Unto us, Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Who's the us in Isaiah 9? It's a reference to Israel. Is he our Savior too? Yes, but you have to understand. Look at this Bible. Look at this one. This is This part is all Israel Jewish stuff. This part, I got a bunch of stuff in the back. This stuff here, that's New Testament church stuff. We become New Testament Christians and a lot of people think that everything that was for Israel is for us and it's not. So we're getting this understanding as we go through Romans nine, we go through Romans 10, we go through Romans 11, so we can rightly divide the word of truth and not get ourselves mixed up. Now, instead of the Messiah becoming their sanctuary and their fortress, uh, their rock, their hiding place, remember last week and we wrapped up Romans 9, he became their stumbling stone, a rock of offense. But there is going to come a day when Israel shall be saved. They shall dwell safely. And Jeremiah 23 says they shall receive him and call him the Lord our righteousness. What is that? That is a nation turning and the remnant being saved. We'll get more into that as we go through, especially uh, Romans 11. But God has turned from national Israel to now the times of a Gentile's where we're not trying to convert a nation. We're not trying to get a nation to follow a Mosaic law. What are we we trying to do? Compel individuals to trust Christ as their Savior. It's not a national deal we're involved with. It's an individual, one-on-one, gospel presentation A soul, an individual soul gets saved. They're not placed into a nation with a king. They are placed into a body by a savior. God is going to come back and rule as king at his second coming. And he's going to deal with the nation of Israel. But right now he's not. And Jews need to know, a Jewish person needs to know, you have to come to God and get God's righteousness the same way a Gentile. Individually repent and trust the Savior. And you can be saved and you can be placed in His body. If you haven't done that this morning, it'd be a great morning to do that. Any number one of us would be glad to speak to you more if you'd like that. All right, let's pray.